You're listening to Purpose Inspired, a podcast series by myself, Wayne Visser. This season is based on a book called The Age of Responsibility, CSR 2.0 and the New DNA of Business. The Matrix of Change What these and other scenarios, like those done for the Millennium Ecosystem Assessment, have in common is that they see the world as a complex system, an interconnected whole, in which change happens in a variety of ways, depending on who acts and responds and how. I often use a cartoon in my presentations to illustrate the point. Two people are sitting in a boat, one on either end. At one end, the boat has sprung a leak, and the person is bailing out water furiously to save them from sinking. At the other end of the boat, the person is smiling, thinking to himself, I'm sure glad the hole isn't at my end. I've been fortunate that my work has given me wide exposure to change in practice, first as a strategy analyst for Capgemini, which has its own model of business transformation, and then with KPMG, advising and auditing companies on various CSR-related change initiatives. I've also had the opportunity to study the theories of change, both as part of my PhD research on what motivates individuals to be change agents and in my research and teaching for the Cambridge Programme for Sustainability Leadership. In the process, while trying to make sense of what is admittedly a complex and bewildering field, I've distilled what I've learned into what my students sometimes call a monster matrix. Bear with me as I talk you through it. At one level, change can be understood quite simply as a two-by-two matrix, with time on one axis and agency on the other. Hence, change is either gradual or rapid, and either brought about by individuals or collectively. To distinguish between each type of change at this simplistic level, I have named the quadrants invention, which is rapid individual change, intention, which is gradual individual change, Evolution, which is gradual collective change, and revolution, which is rapid collective change. If you're more of a visual thinker, then imagine that invention is a light bulb, intention is a beaver, evolution is a beehive, and revolution is bacteria. However, to understand the subtleties of how change happens and what kinds of agents bring it about, we need to delve into each of these four basic types of change a little deeper. For each main type, there are three subtexts or sub-stories of how change happens. The power of ideas. Starting with invention, there are three kinds of individuals that act as agents of rapid change, the genius heretic, the iconic leader, and the freedom fighter. This results in three different types of change, paradigmatic, charismatic, and activist change. Let us look briefly at each in turn. Paradigmatic change happens when an individual challenges assumptions and changes worldviews. They shift our pattern of thinking or our model of working and are often seen as heretical or as an outcast, at least to, at least to begin with. They are more likely to invent an idea than its practical applications. 
You might think of Copernicus or Einstein as prototypical genius heretics. In the CSI area, examples might include James Lovelock with his Gaia theory, C.K. Prahalad with his Bottom of the Pyramid or BOP model, and John Elkington who coined the triple bottom line. Charismatic change occurs when someone leads by the magnetism of his or her personality, embodying our aspirations or popularizing an ideal. They lead by example, commanding respect, and while they may not have original ideas, they are great communicators. Here we can think of Nelson Mandela or Barack Obama or J.F. Kennedy. In the CSR field, I would place Anita Roddick, founder of The Body Shop, Mohammed Yunus, founder of Grameen Bank, and Al Gore, author of An Inconvenient Truth, in this category. Of course, some special individuals can fit into more than one category. Activist change is the result of a leader that embodies the fight for human rights and justice in the world. They can generate mass support for a cause or movement and typically work at the grassroots level. They tend to be revolutionaries rather than institution builders. So we might think of Che Guevara or Malcolm X. In the CSR world, Ralph Nader, the US campaigner and consumer activist, or Ken Sarawiwa, the Nigerian human rights advocate, and Chico Mendez, the Brazilian environmental activist, are typical of this kind of change agent. Progress is slow but sure. With intention, there are once again three kinds of individuals, the systematic scientist, the structural engineer, and the personal exemplar. But the change they cause is gradual, either Cartesian, Newtonian, or Gandhian change, respectively. Cartesian change is based on the power of logic and evidence collected and pre presented by individuals who emphasize the testing of hypotheses or solutions. They work tirelessly on the details to build their case and are likely to be the expert that others turn to. As the name suggests, the iconic figure here is René Descartes. But perhaps Francis Bacon would also fit the profile. In CSR, I think of Rachel Carson, author of Silent Spring, Paul Crutzen, the Nobel Prize winner for his work on the ozone layer, and Nicholas Stern, author of The Economics of Climate Change. As you can see, they do not literally have to be scientists. Rather, it is their approach to change that matters. Newtonian change is brought about by individuals who use the law of cause and effect. They work hard to identify and address the roots of an issue and look for leverage points in the system to move the immovable. They see that people are often trapped in a system which limits their discretion. Hence, they try to change the incentives in the system. Sir Isaac Newton is the poster child, but I would argue Adam Smith also fits the bill. In CSR, people like Amory Lovins, founder of the Rocky Mountain Institute, Paul Eakins, a British environmental economist, and Carl Hendrik Robert, founder of The Natural Step, are all examples. Gandhian change is affected by people who believe, as Gandhi did, that you must be the change you want to see in the world. Hence they lead by example and practice what they preach. They are driven first and foremost by values and principles and become catalysts for change because they are revered. 
Apart from Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King was such a person. In CSR-related circles, Vandana Shiva, the Indian scientist, activist and author, or Wangari Matai, the Kenyan green activist and Nobel Prize winner, or Shanaka Fernando, founder of Lentil as Anything, all tend to inspire change in this way. When change gathers momentum. Evolution is a collective change process which manifests in three ways, as a tipping point, as people power, or as a market dynamic, leading to gradual change that is pivotal, consensual, or incentivized. Pivotal change is characterized by small, gradual changes that scale up and speed up only after a tipping point is reached, which is much less than the majority. It is based on the idea of change as a virus or contagion and relies on the power of an influential minority. In terms of Malcolm Gladwell's book The Tipping Point, three types of individuals are crucial in the process. Connectors, people who know people who can make a difference. Mavens, people who collect information and are keen to share what they know. And salespeople, people who can convince other people to do things. In the CSR sphere... I think that the fair trade movement, the ISO 14001 certification, and low energy light bulbs may all be in this category. Consensual change is driven by the popular vote and is based on the idea of governing by consensus. It believes in the power of an organized majority and therefore politics, institutions and dialogue are all essential. It makes me think of the anti-slavery movement, the World Social Forum, and the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, all of which use this type of approach to change. Incentivized change is driven by many individual actions and incorporates the idea of an invisible hand. It relies on the power of incentives in a system and therefore market structures and dynamics are critical to understand. Here we might place companies like Johnson Matthey, makers of catalytic converters, General Electric with their eco-imagination initiative, and Cafe Direct, producers of fair trade coffee. When the world changes forever. Revolution is a collective change dynamic that has three faces, emergency response, hockey stick growth, and the butterfly effect, leading to rapid change that is cataclysmic, exponential, or chaotic. Cataclysmic change is something we are very familiar with. It is usually driven by an external unforeseen event and based on the idea of dramatic shocks to a stable system. The importance of emergency aid is critical and emergency preparedness and voluntary action are key. Examples might include Shell's fiasco with the Brent Spa platform and the execution of Ken Sarawiwa in 1995, or Enron's collapse in 2001, or the Sichuan earthquake in China in 2008. Exponential change happens when there is a cumulative and self-reinforcing trend. It is based on logarithmic growth, which is often characterized as the hockey stick curve because of its shape as a plotted graph. This type of growth exists because of the power of reinforcing feedback loops and makes it imperative to understand macro-system elements like culture, fashion, markets and norms. CSR-type examples could include the ban on CFCs after the adoption of the Montreal Protocol, the current 
explosive growth of the clean technology sector, with McKinsey Quarterly estimating that $170 billion a year will be invested in energy efficiency alone between now and 2020, and the Walmart effect on products like organic cotton and MSC or Marine Stewardship Council certified fish. Finally, chaotic change is about the unintended consequences of a seemingly unrelated action or event. It is based on ideas from chaos theory, especially the metaphor about a butterfly flapping its wings in one part of the world and causing a storm in another part. This change is not random, but rather due to the power of highly complex interconnectedness. Hence, understanding sensitivities in the system becomes critical. Butterfly effects in the CSR space might be the fact that Ray Anderson was reading Paul Hawkins' The Ecology of Commerce book at the very moment that he was asked to give a speech about the company's environmental vision, or perhaps the impact of Hurricane Katrina on former Walmart CEO Lee Scott, or Google's unlikely venture into making renewable energy cheaper than carbon. Dynamics of the Change Matrix So how might we apply the matrix? I like to think of it as a filter for understanding how change really happens in the world. The important insight is that it is almost never one type of change, but rather several acting together, simultaneously or sequentially, that results in the change we see. An example will make it clearer. Let's take Shell's massive sustainability shake-up in 1995. Using the matrix, we can map out two intertwining threads of change happening. First, there was Cartesian change, as Shell did scientific studies that concluded it was the best thing to do to dispose the Brent Spar oil platform in the Atlantic Sea. Then there was a butterfly effect in the form of Greenpeace's campaign against the proposal. In the same year, human rights critic Ken Sarawiwa targeting Shell and the Nigerian government was a form of activist change that resulted in a cataclysmic effect when he was executed. What followed was a chaotic change dynamic in which Shell was implicated in the crisis. These two events together resulted in pivotal change through the gathering of anti-Shell protesters around the world that reached a tipping point after which the market especially for young recruits, began typecasting Shell as an unethical company. The knock-on effect was that a charismatic leader, in the form of Sir Mark Moody Stewart, changed Shell's strategy to embrace sustainable development and started a tell-Shell stakeholder engagement process that finally led to a consensus that Shell was turning into a triple-bottom-line pioneer. Hence, even though there were only two initial change events or triggers, there were at least eight change processes across all four of the quadrants of the matrix. Disentangling the process of change can help us to understand change not only at the company level, but also at the industry sector level. For example, and keeping it simple for illustration, the chemical industry's Responsible Care Initiative emerged from a series of explosions in the 1970s and 1980s, a form of catastrophic change, and is today the largest CSR standard in the world, a form of consensual change, at least within the industry. The Marine Stewardship Council, by contrast, came about as the result of the personal beliefs and commitments of a few individuals within Unilever and WWF, a form of Gandhian change, 
and now uses product labeling in the market to effect change through an incentivized mechanism. Finally, McDonald's faces McLibel and Supersize Me types of activist change, which led to a tipping point in their attitudes on health and environmental impacts, a kind of pivotal change. The last thing to say about the matrix before I put it back in its box is that it can be useful when trying to plan or execute a change effort. The more types of change you can put in train, the greater your chance of success. So you might ask, for instance, who are the genius heretics, iconic leaders or freedom fighters in your company or your sector or sphere of work? Are there systematic scientists, structural engineers or personal exemplars that you can get on board? Are you better off trying to build up to a tipping point or to go for mass consensus or maybe tweaking the incentives in the system? And what about crises, explosive growth areas and butterfly effects? Are there any of these to be used to your advantage?